You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. So today we'll be in Ezra 3, 1 through 6. Um, now it's been a while since we've been in Ezra. It's been probably, I think, three weeks right around there. Last person to preach a sermon was Donnie, and uh, so I think I think it might be due, might be due for some recap that we kind of know what's going on. So to sum up some key points, King Cyrus of Persia in Ezra one one and eleven was making a proclamation. Now he was making a proclamation to free the exiles from Babylon, and then to return them to tell them to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. This is in Ezra one. Um, 1 through 11. Now Cyrus, King Cyrus, was not a follower of God. In fact, he was actually a pagan king. But God still moved his heart. It's crazy to think about. A pagan king, someone who is completely out of the loop, someone who just has no idea what's going on, says, hey, you guys can go back to your homeland. And the people are like, what? This has to be God. has to be God. So as, and they, they journeyed back home, and when, what, they learned, what we can learn here is that God will use any means necessary to accomplish his plan of redemption. We learn that in God, he is the original promise keeper and the redeeming God. Isn't that great news to hear? Okay, that's Ezra 1, 1 through 11. So some key points. Hopefully that rings some bells if you guys were here. If not, I encourage you to go back and watch the series or reread the chapters. It's a fantastic book. So now we go back into Ezra 2, um, 1 through 70. Now I'm not, I promise, okay, I promise I'm not going to reread it, okay? It was a hefty, it was a hefty bunch of text, okay? Um, Just, yeah, just a few verses there. Um, A few. Um, we learned how many were exiled and now returning to Jerusalem. We learned that even though records and lists, we can still see the power of God um, shine through all of those numbers to think about. And it makes it kind of begs the question, you know, am I on the right list? Am I, am I, letting, am I letting myself be on that list, I guess? And is it my list I can be on that list? So that's kind of Ezra 2, 1 through 7. Again, I encourage you to go back and watch it. It's been three weeks ago. (laughs) Um, So now on to Ezra 3. Will everyone stand with me as we read God's word together? Okay. I'm going to look back here. When the seventh day came and the children of Israel were in the towns, the people gathered as one man to Jerusalem. Then arose Jeshua, the son of Josedek, with his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatil. Teal? I don't know. That's, word, words are hard to say, okay? especially names back in the Old Testament. My goodness. Okay. With his kinsmen, and, they, and the, uh, they went and built the altar of God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. 
They set the altar, altar in its place, and for fear was on them because of the people of the lands, and they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord. Burnt offerings morning and evening. evening. And they kept the feast of booths, as it is written, and offered the daily burnt offerings by number according to the rule, as each day required. And after the regular burnt offerings, the offerings at the new moon and at all the appointed feasts of the Lord and the offerings of everyone who made a freewill offering to the Lord. From the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord. But the, founda- the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. Let's pray. Father God, as we are here today, and as we kind of go through this little bit of text, but a whole lot of information, God, we ask that you open up our hearts. That, God, you show us what you're trying to say in these, these few verses, God. And you show us what exactly is going on. The people of Israel, Father God, have just been freed from exile. And now they're doing all these offerings, and I feel like it's hard to connect the two. But, Father God, as we go through this and as we kind of chew on this this morning, Father God, that you just provide, you speak through me, Father God, your vessel, and that, God, that we just try to listen to you as much as we can. So, God, this morning we thank you, and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so what does this mean? Okay, what are these first, first six verses saying? I'm trying to say, I guess. I know I hear a lot of offerings going on. Okay, <laughs> offering this, offering that, birth offerings this, sacrifices. I feel like there's, there's a lot of offering going on. It's helped. I, I had to read it like I think, what was it, three to five times just to kind of get the gist of it. It's like, what is going on? But to really understand what's going, what's going on is to see what it was like. So put yourself in an Israelite's shoes at this time. Okay, imagine your grandfather telling you tales of a beautiful place. Not only the temple of God that you served, and it was a magnificent temple, huge, but also a place of commerce, busy, running around, and that's just the capital of your place, like the places of worship. But later in this story, he tells you that there were invaders. Invaders, marauders, they came more or less, destroyed houses, burned down many possessions, stole their possessions, and then also, to add insult to injury, they captured them and brought them back with them to their homeland. So, for an Israelite, this is like, everything's gone. And they were furious. I think at one point they said they needed to cast their children upon the rock. They were so mad at these Babylonians' marauders, their martyrs. And then, 70 years later, this, this other foreign guy came in there, invaded their land, and more or less told them to be free. Go back to uh, Jerusalem and rebuild your temple. Now, that would be awesome to hear. That would be so amazing to hear. And say, well, we can go back now. But you also have to think of the trek. It wasn't just, hey, I want to go to my neighbor's house across the street. I'm not going to go to the grocery store that's a few blocks down. No, this was 
miles, thousands of miles away. In fact, it took them four months to walk back to Jerusalem. Yeah, you heard me right. Not, 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 four, day, not four hours, not four days, but four months. When's the last time you walked for four months? I don't see any raise of hands, okay? <laughs> Me included. I have no idea. I, I mean, I have never done that. And I don't think I, I mean, that's like walking from here to like probably California straight. That's, it's crazy. And then when you arrive there, you hear all these stories about how beautiful it was and how magnificent it was. And you look at it and it's destroyed. It's rubble. It's ruined. What's, what's the first thing that you would do when you get there? What's the very first thing you would do to get there? It's For one, there's no houses. Okay? You've been traveling for four months. Your feet are probably tired, blistered, worn. You get there. What would you do? I, you know, I personally would probably find a comfy place to rest and just relax. But what's really cool that these Israelite people did and it's crazy to think about that they did, is that instead of building their homes and start, to start building up their lives again, is that they put aside all of that and just put up a tent. Now, we have to kind of put into perspective here. This wasn't one or two people that did this. This was 40,000 people that were freed and sent back. Has anyone been to a campground that was overcrowded? How about a stadium where you're elbow to elbow, you know what I mean? And you're like, you're all yelling and you're screaming and you're having a great time. You can smell the person sweating next to you. You know what I mean? Lovely. No personal space. I mean, literally, you could, there's, there's, there's your buddy right next to you. You know what I mean? He's right across the street from you. 40,000 people around this town in tents. And it's crazy just to think about that instead of finding and building their lives, they decided to start celebrating this holiday, which is called the Feast of Booths. So this brings me to my, my first point, a people gathered. The people gathered as one man in Jerusalem. They, in those tents, and they started celebrating the Feast of Booths. Now, what is this Feast of Booths? Like, or, like, I have, I mean, I had no idea what it was until I even looked it up, to be honest. But this Feast of Booths is a celebration in the um, Jewish holidays where it's in remembrance of when they brought them through the desert for 40 years. It's that time when God sustained them through one of the roughest times in Israel's history. And then at the end of that time, brought them to a promised land that was prophesied about. Oh, I just lost my point. Whoops. Excuse me. And these feasts of booze, this lasted, this lasted uh, I think it was 21 days. Is that correct? Um, 21 days, and these are considered holy days within the, um, the Jewish holidays and that kind of thing. It's called the, uh, um, if I remember right, it's not my notes. i got to remember. It's the month of Tirish. And this month was one of the holiest months. It's called the seventh month. 
And more or less, let's say it's equivalent to our new year, starting off a brand new year going forward. So you think about it, they're here on this, and back, in home, back at home in Jerusalem, and after 70 years have passed, and they're exactly in time to start this holiday, the Feast of Booths, which is super, super important for them. Now, there's something to, say, to be said about God's timing, right? He planned for that all to happen. Planned for them to go away for 70 years, come back, and then right now, they're here celebrating a, just an awesome event. And it's still crazy to think about. Instead of going to houses and building their lives, they still wanted to celebrate this event all together as one, one entity, one man. So I'm just, just going to say this right now. Like amongst all the rubble and the craziness and the messiness, they began to praise God in all of that. Which brings me to my second point. A people sacrificed. Everybody say sacrifice real quick with me. That wasn't loud enough. Say it again with me. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. There we go. I love it. I love it. Now I can get a drink. Thanks. Not only did they sacrifice for one their feet getting there, (laughs) but they sacrificed their time, their treasure, their comfort. God, they worshipped God in everything. I want to take this moment right here and say, why can't we do the same? It's so easy to go through life and start holding on to the things that that we feel that are precious to us. Whether it be our money, whether it be our time. If you're a control freak like me, it's definitely our time. Whether that be that grudge that you held against your coworker over the week or over the weekend or or who likes to just sit on the couch and just watch TV? Our comfort. I saw one hand raised. Thank you, Joe, for your honesty. Okay, I, I really appreciate it, okay? <laughs> sacrifice or comfort. I mean, honestly, all of you sacrificed it to even be here. I mean, you could have slept in. You could have sat and mauled over what happened yesterday for the Huskers. I mean... <laughs> in years <laughs> so what are the things that you are holding on to not allowing God to work through the things that are holding you back from really worshiping a God that wants to walk with you and be with you Maybe it's your children, too. Maybe it's that project you haven't finished yet. Maybe it's something that you have lost 
and you haven't been able to let go yet. You know, if God can speak to a pagan king, then I know he can speak to us. Life is just so messy and hard, and sometimes it just sucks, to be honest. And it's aggravating. I mean, things hardly ever go our way. (laughs) So, a quick story. These past couple of months, my wife and I have been going through a, a pretty hard time. Most of you know that my wife and I um, recently had a miscarriage. And those of you who went through the same thing, you know how hard this can be, especially for women. I mean, you, you have walked with this tiny little human being in your body watching it nurture and grow, and being attached to something that is so beautiful. And then one day you hear the bad news. And it just rocks you. Now, us guys, we, we get sad. It's a, it's a different type of pain, though. It's it's the, it's the pain of once hoped for. And God has helped me through this time to kind of get through this and to walk with this, but, but this story is about my wife. There's an aching and a longing that happens And time and time again, I have seen her sacrifice her wants and desires and her pain to be there for families and for friends, to celebrate with them. My brother just announced he's having a little baby girl. And I cannot tell you how proud I am as I'm going to be an uncle. I mean, that's awesome. (laughs) I'm going to spoil that little girl so much, and he's going to hate me. (laughs) (laughs) And seeing her walk through this, and seeing the strength of this beautiful woman over here in this front row, has inspired me to sacrifice the things that sacrifice the things that I'm holding on to. To sacrifice the things that say, hey, you're not always entitled to this. God gives you, it's all in his plan, all is in all in his timing, and he'll give you that. But sometimes you just gotta wait. Without sacrifice, worship is empty. You guys came here today, and we're sitting here singing those awesome two songs. 
And I was just sitting there, sitting there praying like, you know, all of us are here. We've already sacrificed our time. We've already sacrificed our comfort. And now we're singing worship. So good job. Yeah. <laughs> but what are those things that are, like, again, holding us back? Which brings me to my second point. A people worshipped. As they were bringing offerings and sacrifices, they were worshipping. They were celebrating. They were yelling. They were dancing. They were crying out to God in absolute joy because he kept his promise. They are now delivered from Babylon and now back home. Man, hasn't, hasn't God done something like that for you? And if he hasn't, would you like him to? I don't know what you guys are going through this morning, and I don't need to know. But there's a God that wants to walk with you, that wants to stick by your side, wants to hold your hand when things get rough, and wants to be there when things get tough and messy and crazy. Imagine with me, imagine with me what would happen if whatever is on your mind right now, like the sacrificing, if you just let it go, the thing that you're holding on to, what would happen if you just let it go? What if you give God that thing, whatever that is, what would happen? What would happen to our hearts? What would happen to your life to see God move in it and walk next to you, walk beside you? And Israel is such a shining example in this moment right here. Uh, we're staying in this moment right here. And because they gave up everything, they've given up their, their homes. They've given up their, their more or less their livelihood at this point, and they're giving it back to God. So in, in conclusion, I just want to say that there is people here that want to help you sacrifice whatever you need to do. Get rid of the things that you guys are holding on to and let God work on your heart. Um, I, I, uh, I remember that Joe was speaking of that first time I came here. Um, it, was a, it was a great experience. This is, my, this is my first church, really, that I really felt like I was a, like wanted and accepted here. Um, and I, we tried many churches. We went to Grand Island. We went to Hastings. We, we, had a, we just tried different things. Just didn't feel at home. And, uh, and then I can't, uh, the first time we were at this Southern Baptist Church over here, I think it's just on the way here. 
And then we moved to the YMCA, and like this is like the first time I've ever tried moving stuff for like a church like this. Like literally, like the church is set up in the morning, like one to two hours. <laughs> it's like cool. <laughs> and uh, it was just a great time, in, and I'm just so thankful and honored to be where I'm, where I'm at today. And how, how I got here and managed to get through life is because they were worshiping and walking with me in the rubble. And that rubble today is the mess of things around our life. It is those, those wants and desires that are not of God. And those, those, those things that, that are just holding us back from truly loving God what we want to whether it's, like I said, your time, comfort, talent, pleasure. The Husker loss yesterday. <laughs> but God wants to walk next to you. He wants us to worship together in that rubble. And he wants us to be a church, a family. Father God, this morning, I thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives. God, as we worship together this morning, as we go into the next portion of our service, God, I ask that we let go and we let you work on our hearts. God, we are definitely not perfect people. And it's hard to even think about like, letting go of my time or maybe the loss that I have felt. It's hard to imagine a life where all I think about and all I want is to worship a God who wants to be there for me. God, I thank you so much for opening our hearts and putting some little key notes, God, of what you're trying to say to us this morning. And God, I thank you so much for the honor of being up here today. I thank you so much, God, that what you are doing in our lives and what you are dealing with right now in this moment that you, God, want to reach down and take hold of us. You want to walk side by side and show us the way. So, God, we love you and we praise you because, God, you deserve all of it this morning. You deserve all the honor the praise, the worship, Father God, because, God, you are our promise keeper. You are our redeeming king, God, and you have saved me, God, from my own struggles and pain. And it's so cool to think about those Israelites they, 
They were worshiping a God and they were sacrificing all of those animals. But God, you truly made the one sacrifice we needed. You made the only sacrifices, only sacrifice we needed. Your blood dripped down that cross for me. That's why I'm here today. That's why we're all here today. You sacrificed everything so that we may have you. So God, we love you, and we thank you so much for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.